Chapter Sixteen of the Vicar of Bullhampton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Vicar of Bullhampton by Anthony Trollope. Chapter Sixteen. Miss Lowther asks for advice. All these searchings for the murderer of Mister Trumbull and those remandings of Sam Brattle took place in the month of September and during that same month the energy of other men of law was very keenly at work on a widely different subject could Messrs. block and curling assure captain marrable that a portion of his inheritance would be saved for him or had that graceless father of his in very truth seized upon it all there was no shadow of doubt but that if aught was spared it had not been spared through any delicacy on the part of the colonel the colonel had gone to work paying creditors who were clamorous against him the moment he had got his hand upon the money and had gone to work also gambling and had made assignments of money and done his very best to spend the whole but there was a question whether a certain sum of five thousand pounds which seemed to have got into the hands of a certain lady who protested that she wanted it very badly might not be saved Messrs. block and curling thought that it might but were by no means certain it probably might be done if the captain would consent to bring the matter before a jury in which case the whole story of the father's iniquity must of course be proved or it might be that by threatening to do this the lady's friends would relax their grasp on receiving a certain present out of the money we would offer them fifty pounds and perhaps they would take five hundred pounds said Messrs. block and curling all this irritated the captain he was intensely averse to any law proceedings by which the story should be made public i won't pretend that it is on my father's account said he to his uncle parson john shrugged his shoulders and shook his head meaning to imply that it certainly was a bad case but that as colonel marrable was a marrable he ought to be spared if possible it is on my own account continued the captain and partly perhaps on that of the family i would endure anything rather than have the filth of the transaction flooded through the newspapers i should never be able to join my mess again if i did that then you'd better let block and curling compromise and get what they can said parson john with an indifferent and provoking tone which clearly indicated that he would regard the matter when so settled as one arranged amicably and pleasantly between all the parties his uncle's calmness and absence of horror at the thing that had been done was very grievous to captain marrable poor wat the parson had once said speaking of his wicked brother he never could keep two shillings together it's ever so long since i had to determine that nothing on earth should induce me to let him have half a crown i must say that he did not take it amiss when i told him why should he have wanted half a crown from you he was always one of those thirsty sandbags that swallow small drops and large alike he got ten thousand pounds out of poor gregory about the time that you were born and gregory is fretting about it yet what kills me is the disgrace of it said the young man it would be disagreeable to have it in the newspapers said parson john and then he was such a pleasant fellow and so handsome i always enjoyed his society when once i had buttoned up my breeches pocket yet this man was a clergyman preaching honesty and moral conduct and living fairly well up to his preaching too as far as he himself was concerned the captain almost thought that the earth and skies should be brought together and the clouds clap with thunder and the mountains be riven in twain at the very mention of his father's wickedness but then sins committed against oneself are so much more sinful than any other sins the captain had much more sympathetic listeners in uphill lane not that either of the ladies there spoke severely against the father but that they entered more cordially into his own distress if he could save even forty five hundred pounds out of the wreck 
the interest on the money would enable him to live at home in his regiment if he could get four thousand pounds he would do it with hundred and fifty pounds per annum he said i could just hold my head up and get along i should have to give up all manner of things but i would never cry about that then again he would declare that the one thing necessary for his happiness was that he should get the whole business of the money off his mind if i could have it settled and have done with it said he i should be at ease quite right my dear said the old lady my idea about money is this that whether you have much or little you should make your arrangements so that it be no matter of thought to you your money should just be like counters at a round game with children and should mean nothing it comes to that when you once get things on a proper footing thus they became very intimate the two ladies in uphill lane and the captain from his uncle's parsonage in the low town and the intimacy on his part was quite as strong with the younger as with the elder relative quite as strong and no doubt more pleasant they walked together constantly as cousins may walk and they discussed every turn that took place in the correspondence with Messrs. block and curling captain marrable had come to his uncle's house for a week or ten days but had been pressed to remain on till this business could be concluded his leave of absence lasted till the end of november and might be prolonged if he intended to return to india stay here till the end of november said parson john what's the use of spending your money at a london hotel only don't fall in love with cousin mary so the captain did stay obeying one half of his uncle's advice and promising obedience to the other half aunt sarah also had her fears about the falling in love and spoke a prudent word to mary mary dear she said you and walter are as loving as turtle doves i do like him so much said mary boldly so do i my dear he's a gentleman and clever and upon the whole he bears great injury well i like him but i don't think people ought to fall in love when there is strong reason against it certainly not if they can help it pshaw that's mischievous nonsense mary and you know it if a girl were to tell me she fell in love because she couldn't help it i should tell her that she wasn't worth any man's love but what's your reason aunt sarah because it wouldn't suit mr gilmore i'm not bound to suit mr gilmore i don't know about that and then too it would not suit walter himself how could he marry a wife when he has just been robbed of all his fortune but i have not the slightest idea of falling in love with him in spite of what i said i do hope that i can help it and then i feel to him just as though he were my brother i've got almost to know what it would be to have a brother in this miss lowther was probably wrong she had now known her cousin for just a month a month is quite long enough to realize the pleasure of a new lover but it may be doubted whether the intimacy of a brother does not take a very much longer period for its creation i think if i were you said miss marrable after a pause that i would tell him about mr gilmore would you aunt sarah i think i would if he were really your brother you would tell him it was probably the case that when miss marrable gave this advice her opinion of mr gilmore's success was greater than the circumstances warranted though there had been much said between the aunt and her niece about mr gilmore and his offers mary had never been able quite to explain her own thoughts and feelings she herself did not believe that she could be brought to accept him and was now stronger in that opinion than ever but were she to say so in language that would convince her aunt her aunt would no doubt ask her why then had she left the man in doubt though she knew that at every moment in which she had been called upon to act she had struggled to do right yet there hung over her a half-conviction that she had been weak and almost selfish her dearest friends wrote to her and spoke to her as though she would certainly take mr gilmore at last janet fenwick wrote of it in her letters as of a thing almost fixed 
and aunt sarah certainly lived as though she expected it and yet mary was very nearly sure that it could not be so would it not be better that she should write to mr gilmore at once and not wait till the expiration of the weary six months which she had specified as the time at the end of which he might renew his proposals had aunt sarah known all this had she been aware how very near mary was to the writing of such a letter she would not probably have suggested that her niece should tell her cousin anything about mr gilmore she did not think that the telling of the tale would make cousin walter understand that he should not allow himself to become an interloper but the tale if told as mary would tell it might have a very different effect nevertheless mary thought that she would tell it it would be so nice to consult a brother it would be so pleasant to discuss the matter with some one that would sympathize with her with some one who would not wish to drive her into mr gilmore's arms simply because mr gilmore was an excellent gentleman with a snug property even from janet fenwick whom she loved dearly she had never succeeded in getting the sort of sympathy that she wanted janet was the best friend in the world was actuated in this matter simply by a desire to do a good turn to two people whom she loved but there was no sympathy between her and mary in the matter marry him said janet and you will adore him afterwards i want to adore him first said mary so she resolved that she would tell walter marrable what was her position they were again down on the banks of the lorewell sitting together on a slope which had been made to support some hundred yards of a canal where the river itself rippled down a slightly rapid fall they were seated between the canal and the river with their feet towards the latter and walter marrable was just lighting a cigar it was very easy to bring the conversation round to the affairs of bullhampton as sam was still in prison and janet's letters were full of the mystery which shrouded the murder of mr trumbull by the by said she i have something to tell you about mr gilmore tell away said he as he turned the cigar round in his mouth to complete the lighting of the edges in the wind ah but i shan't unless you will interest yourself what i am going to tell you ought to interest you he has made you a proposal of marriage yes i knew it how could you know it nobody has told you i felt sure of it from the way in which you speak of him but i thought also that you had refused him perhaps i was wrong there no you have refused him yes i don't see that there is very much of a story to be told mary don't be so unkind walter there is a story and one that troubles me if it were not so i should not have proposed to tell you i thought that you would give me advice and tell me what i ought to do but if you have refused him you have done so no doubt rightly without my advice and i am too late in the field to be of any service you must let me tell my own story and you must be good to me while i do so i think i shouldn't tell you if i hadn't almost made up my mind but i shan't tell you which way and you must advise me in the first place though i did refuse him the matter is still open and he is to ask me again if he pleases he has your permission for that well yes i hope it wasn't wrong i did so try to be right i do not say that you were wrong i like him so much and think him so good and do really feel that his affection is so great an honour to me that i could not answer him as though i were quite indifferent to him at any rate he is to come again if he pleases does he really love you how am i to say but that is vicious and untrue i am sure he loves me so that he will grieve to lose you i know he will grieve i ought not to say so but i know he will you ought to tell the truth as you believe it and you yourself do you love him i don't know i do love him but if i heard he was going to marry another girl to-morrow it would make me very happy then you can't love him i feel as though i should think the same of any man who wanted to marry me 
but let me go on with my story everybody i care for wishes me to take him i know that aunt sarah feels quite sure that i shall at last and that she thinks i ought to do so at once my friend janet fenwick cannot understand why i should hesitate and only forgives me because she is sure that it will come right in her way some day mr fenwick is just the same and will always talk to me as though it were my fate to live at bullhampton all my life is not bullhampton a nice place very nice i love the place and mr gilmore is rich he's quite rich enough fancy my inquiring about that with just twelve hundred pounds for my fortune then why in god's name don't you accept him you think i ought answer my question why do you not because i do not love him as i should hope to love my husband after this captain marrable who had been looking her full in the face while he had been asking these questions turned somewhat away from her as though the conversation were over she remained motionless and was minded so to remain till he should tell her that it was time to move that they might return home he had given her no advice but she presumed she was to take what had passed as the expression of his opinion that it was her duty to accept an offer so favourable and so satisfactory to the family at any rate she would say nothing more on the subject till he should address her though she loved him dearly as her cousin yet she was in some slight degree afraid of him and now she was not sure but that he was expressing towards her by his anger some amount of displeasure at her weakness and inconsistency after a while he turned round suddenly and took her by the hand well mary he said well walter what do you mean to do after all what ought i to do what ought you to do you know what you ought to do would you marry a man for whom you have no more regard than you have for this stick simply because he is persistent in asking you no more than you have for this stick mary what sort of a feeling must it be when you say that you would willingly see him married to any other girl to-morrow can that be love i have never loved any one better and never will how can i say it seems to me that i haven't got the feeling that other girls have i want some one to love me i do i own that i want to be first with some one but i have never found the one yet that i cared for you had better wait till you find him said he raising himself up on his arm come let us get up and go home you have asked me for my advice and i have given it to you do not throw yourself away upon a man because other people ask you and because you think you might as well oblige them and oblige him if you do you will soon live to repent it what would you do if after marrying this man you found there was some one you could love i do not think it would come to that walter how can you tell how can you prevent its coming to that except by loving the man you do marry you don't care two straws for mr gilmore and i cannot understand how you can have the courage to think of becoming his wife let us go home you have asked my advice and you have got it if you do not take it i will endeavour to forget that i gave it you of course she would take it she did not tell him so then but of course he should guide her with how much more accuracy with how much more delicacy of feeling had he understood her position than had her other friends he had sympathized with her at a word he spoke to her sternly severely almost cruelly but it was thus that she had longed to be spoken to by some one who would care enough for her would take sufficient interest in her to be at the trouble so to advise her she would trust him as a brother and his words should be sweet to her were they ever so severe they walked together home in silence and his very manner was stern to her but it might be just thus that a loving brother would carry himself who had counselled his sister wisely and had not as yet been assured that his counsel would be taken walter she said as they neared the town 
I hope you have no doubt about it. Doubt about what, Mary? It is quite a matter of course that I shall do as you tell me. End of chapter 16